Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, I'm Peter Jones, Chartered Swear author and property investor, and this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And I'm delighted today to be joined in the studio by Rebecca Smith. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Peter. How are you doing, Rebecca? Very good, thank you. Jolly good. Now, I should introduce Rebecca. Rebecca is one of my co-trainers on the Masterclass here at Progressive. Mm-hmm. You've also trained VIPs at JV days. Yep. And yep. actually, not just VIPs, probably, but... Yeah. Yep, run the JV course. So run the JV course. Yeah. You've been through the VIP. Yep. As a mentee. Yep. And... You're a bit of a whiz when it comes to borrowing money, which that we will talk thing. about, which yes. is your thing, which we will talk about. So if there's anybody out there listening to this who's thinking, well, how, this is all well and good, but how can I actually afford to buy some properties? Then Rebecca hopefully will be able to help us over the next 45 minutes or so. Hopefully. With some top tips on how to raise finance. So Rebecca, let's start at the very beginning though, because three years ago, was it three years ago? Yep, just over. Just yep. over three years ago, you were actually here doing masterclass. Actually, to take it back a further step, I first met you probably a couple of months before that. Yeah, it was in the November before. Yeah. When, you, when you came to the Beginner's Day, I did. which I was running. Yep, dragged my husband along to it. You dragged your husband along, Simon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, kicking and screaming. <laughs> yeah, but it must have worked because you, anyway, embraced it totally and yes. you're now here doing amazing things. But were you in property at the time when you first came on that Beginner's Day? Yes, kind of, but not in the investment sense. So I um, took redundancy from my corporate job uh, probably a year before that and decided to set up a letting agency. I do quite random things in my life, and that was one of the most random. I literally Googled, how do you start a letting agency? And probably took me three months to get everything together that I needed to know in order to set it up. Um, and yes, yeah, started marketing it, started to, to get it up and running. But I quickly realised that it was too much like hard work. You couldn't leverage it enough. I love leveraging and outsourcing. Um, so I was therefore looking for a different way to make money from property. Mm. That's when I discovered Progressive. Well, let me just sort of jump in here because mm-hmm. there's some interesting points you raised there. Because you just decided to be a letting agency. I know that on Masterclass, some of our delegates come along totally surprised by the fact that as things stand at the moment, and it's probably going to change because the government are looking at this quite closely, but pretty much anybody can just set themselves up as yep. a letting agent. All you have to do is set up a sign, paint a sign saying exactly. letting agent. Yeah. And yep. that's exactly what you did. Yeah, you don't even need to be accredited. It's, it's a good idea if you are. And yeah. I did get accredited, but mm. yeah, you don't even need to be. There's no laws around it. Anybody can be a letting agent. Yeah. So the, the lesson from that is that they're obviously good letting agents. They're yes. not so good letting agents. But don't assume just because somebody's given themselves a title that they necessarily, necessarily know what they're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm sure you did. <laughs> and where, where were you actually practising? Uh, so where I was based um, mm. in Surrey. So I yeah. lived in a village called Thames Ditton. Yeah. And I, my, I set up my business as well in Teddington, yeah. um, which is where my husband was born and raised. So we had a very good network of people, good community that we knew. Um, and I also did some uh, mystery shopping around the letting agents within Teddington and realised that their service was less than satisfactory, shall we say. Mm. So I realised that there was a gap in the market for somebody who actually 
you know, cared and did a, a, a good job, which is mm. not what I was determined to do. Mm. So from a standing start, you, you got yourself set up, mm-hmm. took on clients. Yep. How, how did it go? I mean, did you find many clients? Did you get many properties on the books? It was difficult because I was operating from home because I certainly didn't have the funds to set up a high street shop, which is what I was competing mm. against. Mm. But the very first thing I did on my very first day was seek out a mentor. Mm. And it's something I've believed in from you know, every job or career I've had, I've found a mentor. And the person I found uh, was somebody I found him on. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd met him previously in a previous life, but found him on LinkedIn. And his job title was how to get more landlords to, to your letting agency. So the couldn't be a more perfect mentor mm. for a startup mm. letting agent. So got in touch with him. I became one of his very first clients because he was starting up a new consultancy. And he taught me the method of content-based marketing to basically bring landlords to you by, by giving them information about the local area and showing that you are a property expert. Mm. And that worked really well um, in terms of positioning me as the local buy-to-let expert and bringing landlords um, to me. All right. Interesting. Because We've never spoken in such detail about this, so I'm learning a lot about you already. Mm-hmm. But it strikes me that nothing's ever wasted. Because in your later life, yep. when you went off to find JV Partners and Finance, presumably that training very much worked for that as well, yeah. I, I would imagine. Absolutely. But we will come to that. But the second thing which I took from what you've just said about letting agency, though, and you kind of threw this out as a bit of bait, I think, because <laughs> we often banter about this. Because, Rebecca, am I allowed to say this on the podcast? That <laughs> You often, say anything, des- Peter. you often describe yourself as being the laziest person in property. Yep. <laughs> and I argue with that because I think I'm pretty lazy as well. But you were saying that you got a bit fed up because there was a bit too much to do. And so you tried to outsource it and find something different where you didn't have to work quite so hard. Yeah, exactly. And the first thing I did, because I realised I didn't want to be contacted by tenants or landlords and be on call, which effectively you are as a letting agent if you're going to give good service. Um, so I seeked out another independent agent in the local area and and discussed with them the opportunity for them to take on my portfolio of clients and, and take a fee for that. So we negotiated and it transpired that this agent took on my portfolio of, of, of managed properties and were charging me three and a half percent per month of the gross rent. And they were doing everything. And I was charging the landlords 12 percent a month. So I was effectively making, is it eight, my math isn't very good, is it 8.5%? Yeah, something yeah, like that. Something yeah. like that. My math isn't very good either. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, so I was making a, you know, a very healthy chunk each month out of each property for doing none of the work because I realised my skill set was actually doing the effective marketing to get the landlords to come to me and bring me their properties and then we would rent the properties out but then I didn't want anything to do with it because that's where the, the time-consuming bit came in was being contacted at unsociable hours. So that's where I got this other agency to take on board the clients. And that also made it very easy when I decided not to do the letting agency anymore when I became more involved with progressive and the investing side because I could just say to the agent, do you want to buy this portfolio of of managed properties off me for a fixed fee and then I walk away because they were already managing it and they literally paid me a, a lump sum and then I no longer owned the letting agency so it made it a very smooth transition away from being a letting agent. Right because it was around about this time you met somebody who introduced you to Progressive and suggested you came along. Yes. And that presumably is when we first met at the beginner's day. Yeah so I met I, I was heavily involved in LinkedIn and local networking for my letting agency. And I met somebody whose job title was property investor. And as a letting agent, that's a good connection to have. So I got in touch with him through LinkedIn and said, do you want to go for coffee and just see if we can help each other on our, you know, our journey or whatever we're doing? Um, and he readily accepted. 
met him, transpired he'd just done the masterclass at Progressive and said, you need to be on this because this would really suit you. Um, and said, why don't you come along to PPN Waterloo, which was the following week. So I went along with him. And that's when I got my tickets to the beginner's day and never looked back. Right. For anybody who's wondering what a PPN is, it's the Progressive Property Network meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And who would have thought that three years later you'd also end up being a masterclass trainer as well? I know. I still we... pinch myself when I'm on stage. <laughs> Which we will come to. So what happened after you went to um, the beginning? So you went to the masterclass. Yep. You... Then I signed straight up for VIP, mainly because although my, my Simon, my poor husband, was adamant that I should get the returns from the cost of the masterclass first... I knew that if I went back to real life, where I've, I, at the time I had a two and a three-year-old, mm. if I went back to real life, I wouldn't put into practice everything that I'd learned on the masterclass. And my fear around real life taking over and not making that change that I'd committed to make on masterclass was bigger than the fear of my husband telling me off for spending money on the VIP programme. So I did it anyway. Sure. <laughs> so for anybody who's listening who's not sure, the VIP is a 12-month mentoring programme which Progressive run. Yeah. Yeah. So Masterclass Foundational Property Knowledge, yep. which is what your friend stroke contact from LinkedIn suggested you come along for. Yep. And then you took it to the next stage, went up a gear, got yourself involved, 12-month mentoring programme. Yes. And you started doing property? Yep. I, and I did VIP for the mentorship and accountability. That was If I had to put a number one reason, that would be it. But actually, once I'd been in the community for probably five or six months... I realised that actually, although the mentoring accountability was great and it gave me what I was looking for, the biggest value in the VIP programme was the, the network because I cannot do what I do now in terms of the you know, raising finance and putting money into developers' projects and what we're probably going to talk about. I cannot do any of that without a network. Do you like networking? I know that might sound like a strange question. I mean, it strikes me that you are naturally good at it because you've already mentioned LinkedIn and you found your contact through LinkedIn and you invited them for coffee. Yeah. So that sounds like you were doing networking without having been told how to go and do networking. In the traditional sense, no. So even now, I still don't go and do the, a lot of the networking events. What I like doing is, is strategic networking. So I will find the people that I need to know and I will get to know them. So I, I find that's much more effective, but that's only because I've got access to that network through being part of Progressive and, mm. and then being part mm. of VIP. But it's important to understand what's in our flow, isn't it? Yes. And not everybody likes networking. Not everybody has the personality which suits what we could call traditional networking. Exactly. But we can all do something. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's important to play to your strengths. So I, I enjoy... I find people fascinating. So, and I think that's a strength when networking because you are actually interested in other people and people love talking about themselves. So therefore that, that forms a strong connection relatively early. So I think if you're interested in people, it definitely helps. Mm, excellent. So you started doing property. Yes. What did you do? Uh, so I bought a single let first, just because I was told to. <laughs> I'm very um, good what, at doing what I'm told. <laughs> no, was, that, was that in Surrey? <laughs> no, 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 no. And I very quickly realised that a one-bed flat where I was living was about 350 grand. So that was not going to work with the buy, refurb, refinance model. So the first people I hunted down in my network through VIP uh, were sources, so people that could find these properties for me. Um, I, I quickly went on to HMOs because I wanted the cash flow. Um, so I bought literally one buy to let and then I started buying HMOs, but all funded through investors because I had no money to start with. And where were the HMOs? 
Uh, my first one was in Huddersfield, and then I bought one in the Wirral and Oldham. So I did what we teach people not to do, which is I scattergunned. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I forgive you that. Thank you. I'm a, I'm a bit of a scattergun rebel as well. I think if you know why you're doing it, it's a strategic thing, isn't it? Yes, I will, I will claim opposed, that, Peter. <laughs> yeah, it's not like some great property theology. It can make sense to focus, though, yeah. which I think is the whole point of not scattergunning. Yes. But you obviously found a way of making it work anyway. And so. I'm focused now. So I think having gone through that experience of using different areas and different sources and different teams, I think you then focus down on the ones that really work. So now mm. I, I, if I do buy, and I don't buy as much as I used to, um, then I only buy in and around the Liverpool area. Right. Now, anybody who's feeling skint at the moment, their ears will have pricked up, presumably, because you said that you bought your HMOs without using any of your own money? Yeah. How, how, can you, how did you do that? How can you do that, Rebecca? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's all about the joint ventures and creating a win-win. So what I did is I found people who had no education in property. They had no idea how to make money from property, uh, but wanted the returns that property could give them. So... I went to them with the the prospect of HMOs and how putting in an X, X amount of money for X amount of time would then refinance and they get most of that money back. And then they would half own, because we 50-50 owned the properties, half own a cash flowing asset that would bring them roughly £500 a month net income each month. Mm. And they would have had most of their equity back out of the property. That was roughly how my HMO model worked. Mm. And they were obviously very interested in that because you yeah. raised the finance. Yeah. So did you find that an easy sell or a hard sell? I don't like using the word sell. No, I didn't say, <laughs> I, if you could see me, I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not really a sell, but an in encouragement for somebody to lend you the money or to come in and finance the deal. Yes, because for them, they had no way of accessing it. And that's what I used the the, the strength of the 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 education I'd had through Progressive and then the network that I had of people who could find me these projects and they could refurb them, they could tenant them, they could manage them and everything end-to-end -end was covered. And the, these investors were literally just people who had excess funds sat in the bank making them no return. So to then suddenly be able to put that money into a property, get most of it back out when we refinanced it and then half own a cash flowing asset forevermore was very attractive. Mm. And that's one of the things which I've noticed on Masterclass and you've probably noticed it too, talking to the delegates. Yeah. That so many of them are so surprised that it can actually be as simple as that. Yeah. But there are so many people out there who have the money and they just don't know what to do with it and they really do need help. Yeah. Exactly. So that's why you have to understand the value of you and the value of what you are bringing to an investor. Because if you don't, then you're constantly on the back foot and you're grateful for the money when actually the investor should be grateful that you are giving them a, a return that they can't possibly get themselves. Mm. So I think once that was probably the turning point for me is making that realisation that actually this is a true win-win. It's not about me winning because this investor's given me their money and I can now half own a cash flowing asset for free effectively. It's a true win-win because that investor is going to, if they're putting 100 grand in the bank, in real terms, that will lose money over a year mm. when you count inflation and interest rates. So, mm. so it is a true win-win. Mm. And I think that's what perhaps a lot of beginner investors perhaps don't understand, or maybe even some of the more experienced investors who haven't quite yet taken the plunge to go and find a JV partner. They don't appreciate that actually you do have something of great value. Absolutely. And so often the, the objection is, well, why would anybody want a JV with me? Yeah. Well, it's exactly for those reasons, because yeah. the JV partner 
frankly, hasn't got a clue what to do with their money. Exactly. And yeah. they, they need your help to know what to do with the money. Yep. And people's number one fear when raising finance is usually around credibility. From mm. teaching the JV course and masterclass, that's the one thing that comes out. But actually, you having education and you having a network gives you huge credibility. And that is more than enough for most investors to want to access what you can give them. Mm, for sure. Now, it's interesting because around about this time, you've started doing property, you've bought a buy-to-let, you've got a couple of few HMOs on the go. Yeah. But then you decided that you didn't even like doing property terribly. No. <laughs> <laughs> Was it you didn't like doing property or you just felt you could use your time more efficiently? Or maybe a combination of the two? Lots of things can go wrong. So just the tenants being a pain and maintenance issues and things. So I was like, this... Uh, it wasn't suiting what I wanted to do. What I realised quite quickly was what I'm good at and what I really enjoy is raising finance and doing the investor relations side of it. So what I, my strategy then evolved into something where all I then needed to do was the raising finance and I can then outsource and leverage absolutely everything else. Yeah, so you like the money, but you don't like the property. Exactly. Yeah, which sounds very reasonable to me. <laughs> exactly, we all like the money. Yeah. So how does that work in practice then? So you, don't, you now no longer do property deals? Um, there's still very much property deals but what I now do is I am effectively the bridge between investors who have cash that they want to get a better return on and developers and I'm using developers in the the wider sense it's not necessarily somebody who's developing or building projects on land it can be anybody who needs funds for a property project mm. so I effectively grow my network of investors I, gr I grow my network of developers and I match the two so when a developer needs funds and it can often be very quick funds then I use one of my investors to put the funds in and then I either profit share with the developer or I work on a fee basis and I, the investor then gets a percentage return in terms of interest. So that sounds, on the face of it, to be quite a simple model. It is very simple, yes. You, there's the deal, there's the people with the money, and yep. you kind of like stand in between. Yeah. So I call it an, like an investor bank. So I work with, the, currently I'm working with probably about eight or nine investors, and I probably won't work with any more than ten, purely because the, the reason this works so well is because I have such a strong relationship with my investors. I spend the time knowing them inside out back to front what it is that they want to achieve out of investing and making sure that the projects that i bring them match what they're looking to achieve well let's just stop there because if i was listening to this podcast the two questions i'd be asking myself and which i'd be hoping which i would ask yeah is how did you find the people with the money and yeah. how did you find the developers Okay, so the developers is purely through progressive and growing my network and people knowing people. So that's just being in the community, finding out the people who are doing the kind of projects that my investors would be interested in and talking to them about the value of funds. Because a lot of developers are very good at developing, but they're not very good at raising finance and they don't want to raise finance because they see it as a chore and it's something that would take their time away from doing the developing that they love. So actually having somebody they, they can go to and say, I need 100 grand the next week, but I'm willing to pay X percentage for it is hugely valuable to them. And then my investors, I've got them from a huge variety of places, uh, quite a few from social media, just from uh, just telling people what I do and then wanting a better return on their funds. Friends, family, my network that I already know and starting to understand more about what I do, who then approach me and want to get a better return. Uh, there can be people from within Progressive who've approached me and said they've made, maybe made a profit on a project but don't know what to do with it because the next project isn't ready. Because some projects I do are literally money in for a month. 
It can be anything from a few weeks up to a year. Um, it's a huge spectrum of different different mm. projects that money mm. can go into. So you're a bit like a bridging lender, really, except it's not your money. Exactly. So you're so like a bridging better. broker. Yes. Yes. Yep. And yeah. my perfect scenario is where I profit share with the developer um, and then I can give them the investors a, a healthy return on their money. Mm. Let's just sort of pick through. Is it okay if we sort of pick through that in a bit yeah, more detail? Do. Because yeah. I know that if I was listening to this, I'd be thinking, well, that, you make it sound so easy, but what do you mean by doing social media and who is it you would tell? Because we make a big thing at Progressive, don't we, that you should always tell everybody what you're doing. Yes. And you'd be amazed at who actually comes out of the woodwork once they know that you're in property. Yes. And I know it's happened to me and it's obviously happened to you. Yeah. That just by saying I'm in property, people have said, well, I've got some money. Can you help me spend it? When you tell somebody who's never been in that situation, they think it sounds like hype and fluff. But yeah. It's absolutely true. It happens all the time. But who, who would you be talking to on social media? I'd be talking to the kind of people who are not property people, but they have an interest in property, but potentially they've got a lump sum in the bank that is making them no return. Mm. So you'd be surprised how many people actually have that. Mm. People you would never even think would have 100 grand sat in a bank account, have 100 grand sat in a bank account, but you're never going to know that because they're not going to tell you unless there's a reason for them to tell you. And they will tell you if you have something that they want to have access to. Mm. So it was, it's really just about telling people what you do. The more people you tell, the more people you would attract. And if they realise that you are providing a solution to their problem, and it is a genuine problem, that if you have 100 grand and it's sat in a bank account, it's a problem that is losing money in real terms. Mm. So you are providing a solution to that problem. So when they know that there's a solution there, then they will come to you and say, how, are you, how can you help me you know, solve this problem of the money being sat there? Mm. For sure. So this is your friends on Facebook? Groups, really. I have, To be fair, I, have, I haven't done social media for a while. It's how I started. I probably got half of my investors through social media to start with. Mm. Now, a lot of it's through either through training or through the Progressive Network or through just my network of people that I already know. Word and of then mouth. To, word of mouth, exactly. Yeah. Them telling other people. Um, so I tend not to do so much on the social media side anymore mm. um, because it's, it takes more time to and you're lazy. build. And I'm very lazy, so I don't like the time involved. It's easier for me to work with people who've been recommended by my current investors. Mm. And that tends to be what happened. Just last week, I met with one of my investors who's got, he's got two projects on the go. He's got 100,000 in one project and he's got 80,000 in another project, both of which are due to pay out in the next couple of weeks. So we're meeting to discuss where he wants to go from here and how we utilise those funds going forward. And he mentioned that his brother-in-law was talking to him the previous week and was interested in doing the same thing. And he's got a pot of 200 grand that he's just inherited. Mm. So things like that now evolve and mean that that's my, that potentially that's then my next investor without actually having to go out and find them. Mm. That just happens naturally, I think. And, and that's a consequence of doing business, isn't it? I remember one of my old bosses saying that the best way to get business is to do, to do business. Yeah, absolutely. And it works so well. You also mentioned friends and family. Yes. And I know sometimes when I, when I talk to beginner investors about this, you can see their eyes glaze over a bit. <laughs> like it's almost a little bit uncouth to talk to friends and family. That, you know, you may be sort of, may, may come across as if you're trying to badger them or yeah. take advantage of them. And I was of that mindset, definitely, definitely. I did not use friends and family to start with. More because I'm the type of person that wants to prove it to my friends and family before I would go to them. So I used outside investors initially. And then what happens is then friends and family start coming to me and saying, oh, I've got X amount and 
can I invest in a project? And then absolutely. And I actually take you know, some of my best projects I would prefer to give to friends and family to, so that they can benefit from it. So yeah, it's more of a they came to me rather than I went to them. And that's a personal thing. Mm. Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yes. And I, I can understand when somebody might be a bit hesitant because it all depends on what sort of relationship you have with your friends and families. Yeah. Particularly <laughs> I have family, a very good one, fortunately. Which is good. <laughs> yes, it doesn't necessarily always follow. Yeah. But it's just... You'd be surprised where the money is. The money is everywhere. It's the, it's the it bottom is. line, isn't it? Yeah, and people don't realise that, but it genuinely is. And I've been surprised at who has got money. Just on a skiing holiday I was on with um, a group of friends I hadn't seen for a long time. One of them asked me what I was doing and how it worked um, and said, oh, right, how much would you be looking for for a, you know, a typical project? And I said, oh, typical one's 150 to 200 grand, probably a couple of years ago. Um, and he said, oh, that's, that's funny because that's roughly what I've got in my current account at the moment. And he was, you know, in his late 20s, had a normal corporate job, but he'd been working abroad for three years and saved up a huge amount of money that he didn't know what to do with. Mm. I would never have guessed that had I not talked to him about property. Mm. So it, it is that I know we keep saying it. Tell everybody what you do and it will create opportunities. Well, it's something which I'm sort of always banging the drum about, that property is a people business. 100%, yes. And I get so frustrated when I meet people who say, well, I've been trying for six months, but all, all it turns out all they've been doing is sitting on right move at <laughs> yes, their kitchen table. Yes. You've got to go and meet people yeah. and talk to people. And get that's in the right agents. networks. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Definitely. So that's JV partners, estate agents, going direct to vendor, just talk to people yeah. and things will happen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's obviously happened for you because you've raised, what, three million quid over the last couple of years? Yeah, I totted it up purely for the purposes of, I'm not a detailed person, so I don't, I'm not very good at tracking things, but I totted it up for the purpose of this interview. And it's, it's roughly was just over three million pound in the last two years, probably. Right. So when you first came to that beginner's day, yeah. where we first met four years ago, roughly yeah. give or take three and a half years ago, did you ever imagine in your wildest dreams that you would be raising three million quids worth of finance? Definitely not. When I was sat in that room, I remember thinking to myself, I could probably scrape together enough for enough of a deposit for my first single let. But then learning how people do it at Progressive, I, I, I realised that actually if I go and do that, then what's going to happen after I've got that one single let? I'm stuck because my money's run out mm. and you, you know, you're not, can't necessarily get it out if you're not following the system properly. So mm. It was an advantage not having money to start with. I'm glad I didn't because I had to learn from day one how to use other people's money. And then there is no limit to what you can do if you know how to raise money. Now, that might strike some of our listeners as being a bit of a strange thing to say, that it was an advantage not to have money. Most people think it's a disadvantage yeah, not to yeah. have the money. So just, just tell us a little bit more about that. I obviously understand where you're going with that. But yeah. just for anybody who's listening and thinking, I can't have heard that properly. I think if you don't have the opportunity to use your own money, even if you have a million pound of your own money sat in the bank, if you start using that for property investing, you will run out. Even if you enable, it enables you to buy 20 properties, you will run out and then there's nowhere for you to go. Whereas if you can learn the skill of raising finance and utilising investor funds and creating that win-win, then there is nothing that stops you. The only, the only thing that can stop you is you if you just stop doing it. Whereas now I know that if I want to, my, my plans for the next 12 months, if I can start raising 1 million to 5 million instead of two, my, my sweet spot at the moment is two to 500,000 from an investor. That's kind of the, 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 the average of my investors. 
if I can get that average up to one, two, three, maybe even five million, then I'm just raising the scale of what I'm doing with no extra work. But I'm also raising the amount of money that I'm making in terms of profit or, or fee share. So it, it's it, it's you can scale. There's no limit to how much you can scale. Mm. And I know you're right, because when I started the way I started, having been made redundant and was looking around for money, the only thing I could do was to take equity out of my own home. I had to get a part-time consultancy to make the bank happy. Yeah. Uh, I took money out of my own home. And what you're saying is exactly right. The amount of money I got out is all I thought I had. And I thought that's all I had to use. Yeah. Whereas if I'd not had any money and I'd had to go off and find other people's money, I'd have probably have found 10 times that amount. Yeah. And done 10 times the number of deals. Exactly. And the beauty of it is, is this three million that I've raised, it, that's most of it is tied up in projects, as soon as that money comes out, it's then another pot to go again. So it's constantly scaling how much money you've got to play with with doing this kind of strategy. Well, I think it's genius because in reality, you're not doing an awful lot, are no. you? And I don't mean that in a rude way. <laughs> no, I, I mean take it as a compliment. In, well, it is a compliment because you've obviously found a system and a process, but you are a systems and processes type person, yes, I, I think, am. aren't you? Yes, I am, yeah. Which is interesting because you're not good at maths. No, and I'm not detail. I hate detail. My husband tries to spread, send me cash flow forecasts for our business. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> so I'm not detailed. I don't like detail, but I do like following processes and systems and having these in the business. And that's another reason why I joined Progressive and the, 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 this network is because you are tapping to other people's processes and systems. I'm not very, I don't class myself as creative in terms of coming up with them myself, but I like just tapping into other people's and, and basically copying what people do who are successful. Mm, which is the wise way to do it. Exactly, yeah, Modeling, I think so. Tony Robbins calls it. Yes. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I'm just going to give a quick plug to Catherine Turner, actually. Who right. doesn't know I'm going to say this, but it just occurs to me because Catherine's just starting a new podcast, which is all about systems and processes. Yes. So find Catherine's podcast. And she's Leverage even got an, lifestyle. And she's got an online course as well. Yes. Yeah which would be very helpful. So you, you're no good at maths. And by the way, that's not a criticism because I can't do maths either. You you're were not, an accountant, weren't you? No, I, well, surveyor. A surveyor, but, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's numbers, surely. <laughs> numbers came into it, but right. I had a calculator. But I can't, I hate maths. I'm not very good at maths. I'm like you, I'm not a details person. Yeah. So that's interesting. Anybody listening to this who's thinking, well, I'd like to get into property, but I can't do maths and I'm not a very detailsy person, maybe that's the best type you want to be. Yeah. I, maybe I, that's I, what works. The, I think the more you make your business about people and not about the detail and the numbers, then I think the, the, the more successful you can be. Mm. People buy into people. And I know with the relationship I have with my investors that they're not going to take their money elsewhere. And they're just, as soon as their money comes out of a project, they're waiting for the next one to put it into. And that's purely because of the relationship and the rapport and the trust that we've built. So I think if you have that skill or you can grow that skill, that will stand you in very good stead. Absolutely. So just to finish with Rebecca, give us a flavour of some of the projects that you've been funding. Okay, I had one, uh, so I'll give you an example, one six months ago where a developer needed £100,000. Now it was for things like pre-completion costs and things that they couldn't get traditional funding from. Uh, but it was a very, very profitable, pro profitable project. So they're willing to pay handsomely for it. So this developer said, OK, if you can give me £100,000, I only need it for three months. But at the end of the three months, I'll give you 150000 back. So I'm thinking, OK, I can give my investors, therefore, a very healthy return and make a healthy return myself. So I went to, I'd actually got two investors involved in that, one who had 80000 and one who had 20000 
Very rarely do I work with ones who've got 20,000, but this is actually somebody who came through a different network and I just wanted to give them a really good return. So in both of them, I offered to give them a um, effectively a 40% annualized return, which is very high, but the project obviously could more than afford it. So I was paying out 100,000 to the developer. The developer gives me back 150,000 at the end of the three months. I'm then giving the investors back a total of 110,000 because the one who put in 80 is making 8,000. The one who's putting in 20 makes two. And then my profit from that is 40,000 pounds. Wow. So that's that. I mean, that's a good one. Don't get me wrong. And I also don't often give a 40 percent return. Mm. But that kind of project could afford it because the developer needed the funds very quickly. My investors are coached that they need to give funds very quickly. I de-risk it as much as possible by getting um, certain levels of security from the developer. So everything is secured in terms of charges or I don't want to go into too much detail, but there's always, there's always the secured. The right paperwork. Yeah, the right paperwork in place to make sure that it's de-risked. Um, and then, yeah, can, I can give my investors a really good return. Brilliant. And what, what sort of project was the developer using it for? So they were buying a, a huge office block in Birmingham for the purchase price was 2.9 million. They had multiple companies, which when they leased that building to one of their other companies and that other company ran it as a business center. So it's quite a complex arrangement, but they just they see huge value in somebody like me that can give them very short, quick injections of cash that they don't have to go through the whole rigmarole of, of formal lending. And because it's so profitable, I know that they profit on just that one project was 750,000. Then they will comfortably pay 50,000 pounds return to somebody like me who can provide 100,000 pounds quickly. So this is why the network is so important. If I didn't have my network, I would never find or have access to people like that who need those kind of funds that quickly. Mm. Well, I think it's very impressive and I think it's very smart. Thank you. What you're doing. And the thing that we met three and a half years ago at a beginner's day, and you've managed to do all of that, and it's obviously working really well, and you've taken it further in the sense that you're now a trainer at Progressive. Yes. You're not just an attendee. No. No, I get to training. indulge my passion. Indeed. So you came on ESR, which is the five-day intensive yes. speaker training course. Life-changing. Yeah. Went into what, what we now call the academy. Yep. And you're now a progressive trainer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Love it. It's, uh, A, it's great positioning for what I do in terms of credibility being a trainer, but that is that is very much secondary to the reason why I do it, which is I just love sharing how you can do this too. And that's a real privilege to be able to be on a stage. And I will always thank Rob and Mark for a giving people like me an opportunity to do that and to indulge our passion of, of actually standing and delivering and training people to do the same as what we've done and what yeah. people have trained us to do. So three and a half years ago, were you sat there at that beginner's day thinking, I'm going to be a trainer? I did. And you I think did. you actually yeah, said like... on that day, I said, show me your hand if you would like to be sat where I'm sat. And my hand went sky high and my husband sat on his hands. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you did it. I did? So, yeah. I'm a very determined person. If I yes. say I'm going to do something, I absolutely do it. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. And you also, with the, with Catherine and Jackie and, and Tony, Tony yep. Women Building Wealth. Yes. Yes, which I, is a big gig. Yeah. And you've done JV days as well. Yep. Again, which is my passion, because that's obviously my thing, is raising finance and doing JVs. So I yeah. run the, the joint venture course sometimes for Progressive. Yeah. And it's an absolute joy to have your masterclass, by the way. Oh, so, thank you. So it's a pleasure. Good as well. That's good as well. <laughs> so, Rebecca, one thing I love about your story is that you've done so much in such a short space of time, literally starting from scratch 
And it's almost like it all just came out of this crazy idea one day that you're going to be a letting agent. Pretty much. Without really knowing what a letting agent does. <laughs> that is true. So for anybody listening to this, just I just want this story really to be an inspiration that we can all achieve so much. And so often it's just about taking action, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. If you, you can get all the knowledge, but until you actually do something with it, it doesn't mean anything. Mm. So get out there and do it. Get out there and do it. And the main thing you need to be doing is talking to people and yes. telling them that you're in property. Yes. And seeing where that leads you. Yeah. And focus in on your strategy. I probably wasted a good few months at the start by flitting here and there and not really knowing what I was doing. As soon as I started to focus and realise that this investor bank strategy worked well and suited my suited my personality and fitted what I'm passionate about, then then it starts to escalate. Mm. Brilliant. Rebecca, it's been fantastic having you here today. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. So Rebecca, Rebecca Smith, if you want to find Rebecca, I'm sure you can find her on Facebook. Yep, and LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn and all that. So look for Rebecca. Say hello to her when you come to Progressive. I'm Peter Jones. If you want to know more about me, you can come to my website, thepropertyteacher.co.uk. All one word, thepropertyteacher.co.uk. But until next time, here's to successful property investing.